0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.
1: Today FM. Joining us for the Culture Club, a man so well known to you uh, from either being in the grounds or watching on television during his days playing for Munster in Ireland and since he's retired, also on reality TV shows like Dancing with the Stars and Ultimate Hell Week. Peter Stringer, thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on The Last Word of Today FM. Thank you.
2: Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I mean, did you do you get known by some people for stuff like Ultimate Hell Week and Dancing with the Stars rather than your rugby career? Do you reckon?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one because you could, you could be walking down a street in Dublin and people would probably they mightn't have seen you ever um, set foot on a rugby pitch. But they'll certainly know you from wearing a pink suit on Dancing with the Stars which um, it's not something I'd like to be remembered for but look <laughs> these are the things you do uh, when you finish playing rugby to so keep that profile there and And more recently, I suppose, Hell Week, which I'm a little bit more proud of my my appearance. in it. Well,
1: totally different. Funnily enough, last weekend I was down in Kerry and I was talking to another one of the contestants, Darren O'Sullivan, the former uh, Kerry All-Ireland winning captain. And he said you were a machine during Ultimate Hell Week. He said physically he was able to cope with it. Mentally, he got broken. But you managed to keep going with everything.
2: I did, yeah. Look, it was. I knew going into it I had to be physically fit. And I trained extremely hard for it, but then those that mental side of it where you just don't know what's going to get you um in terms of whether it's the cold whether it's the the water the the, the lack of sleep the lack of food and the and the constant barrage of abuse you get from from the from the guys from the DS guys. So it's um yeah mentally I think it's um it was unbelievably challenging. One of the most uh, difficult things I've ever done in my life Matt to be honest with you and there was no um off switch with these guys the cameras were always on and it was just an unbelievable experiment this experience was it worth it? it really was.
1: Was it worth it all? To absolutely.
2: It? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, in 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 that, mo- in those moments, um, you know, there are those dark moments, you're questioning yourself, you're questioning why you're doing it, because you're in these tasks that you just don't know when the ending is there, because they could go on for three hours, four hours, five five hours. You just don't know when that ending is. And that's mentally so challenging. But I tell you what, when that moment is over come that Sunday evening, when you get to, to phone home, and it's very emotional because you've had no sleep, no food, And you reflect on it now and you see the episodes on TV and 100 percent, one of the best and worst experiences of my life. But hands down, it was just um, an incredible experience.
1: Of course, you've launched your own fitness business as well now, haven't you? Body plan. Now, in fairness, Peter, you don't expect the majority of people to get themselves into the physical condition you're in, do you?
2: Well, look, that's always a challenge, Matt. It's, um, <laughs> do you know what? It's it, <laughs> that'd it's, be um, ultimate hell week it, it, for some it, of us to try and get ourselves no, in Peter Stricker's shape. You know it, do you know what? Do you know what? It's 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 not necessarily people like elite sports people I'm working with. It's from right across the board, and I've I've worked with a lot of people since finishing finishing playing rugby. And the, the, the satisfaction I get from working with people when you see little changes in people's lifestyle, the little changes from people not ever having stepped foot in a gym to all of a sudden having that routine, that schedule of factoring something into their their lives, their busy lives, where um it 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 doesn't really matter whether they're an elite sports person or not. But for me, it's just about seeing people create those habits and those positive changes in their life. It's um it's it's unbelievably fulfilling and and, and worthwhile because you know it's 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 something where people with 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 day with daily lives and, and, and working from home nowadays people you know trying to find time from for, for themselves and, and because of I suppose people have busy businesses that they have to run it's for me it's to step in manage their nutrition manage their training um, and put a little bit of a schedule in place and you know what it's been um, incredibly fulfilling from from my end seeing people improve along the journey.
1: Well, it's the Culture Club you're with us for today. So we've asked you, as we do with all of our guests, to pick out favourite music and books and uh, movies and TV shows and lots. So let's start with music. And we ask everyone to admit to the first piece of music that they uh, will remember buying or admit to remembering. What's the first thing that you're going for?
2: My first bit of music that I bought was... Uh, bon Jovi it was the album Slippery When Wet and um it's just you know when you buy that first the first album and it just sticks with you um you got that little kind of booklet inside you got the tiny little print of all the the words to the songs and you just um you, you you sit in the car, you sit in your, your room just listening to every single word, and just those songs have stuck with me for 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 those last few years. It's just been one of those albums that have just stuck out in my mind. What you know?
1: age were you when do you reckon when you got it?
2: I'd say I was probably nine or ten. I'm not someone who's massively into into music, but I, I love um I love the kind of the songs that are in that album. You look at, um, you know, Let It Rock and Living on a Prayer and Wild in the Streets and all those kind of things when I suppose I was growing up and, you know, had a bit of emotion attached to the songs. So it was, um, yeah, probably at that age, kind of, you know, just the end of primary school. Um, yeah just that kind of rock era I suppose you look at Guns N' Roses and and, and the bands like that would probably have been very prevalent in in those times you know
1: well we have one track from Slippery When Wet not one that you named but this is uh, one that I think everyone will know You Give Love a Bad (laughs) Name Bon Jovi from the album Slippery When Wet. You clearly, Peter Stringer, like your um, rock albums from that era because you've gone as favourite album for one of the earlier U2 albums from the 80s, Rattle and Home. Why, why that one?
2: Yeah, again, just um, I probably just growing up with U2 and, and look, you know, being Irish and I suppose you're I was in the States um, when I was younger for a summer and I bought that album over there. And, you know, you just, you hear those kind of rock songs and just that, I, I tell you, Matt, now listening to that previous song there, if I had a head of hair, you'd see it in full swing right now. Just that kind of rock Um Peter, I have to ask you, was, when, uh... <laughs>
1: when did you last have a full head of hair? <laughs>
2: Well, I never had it long enough to, to be that kind of rocker, but it certainly, um, it's certainly a long time ago, Matt. But yeah, just songs like, um, you know, Still Haven't Found What You're Looking For and Pride in the Name of Love. and. Oh, just those things bring back so many good memories, and um, you know, been to so many kind of U two concerts over the years, and just that those old school songs just just strike a chord with you, and um, yeah, just ones that you know when you hear them on the radio, just you can't help being transported back in time.
1: Well, as it happens, it's another track that you didn't mention that we've taken from Rattling Home this time is Desire. Classic U two from the album Rattle and Hum. That's Desire. So, Peter Stringer, when we asked you to nominate a favourite band or artist, you've gone very contemporary Irish. You've gone for Dermot Kennedy. Why have you picked him out?
2: Um, I just think he's he's a, he's a fantastic songwriter. Um, the way he performs his songs. I'm someone I I love, you know, sitting in a in a quiet room or sitting in my car, just listening to lyrics listening to the emotion in, in songs and and for, for me derma kennedy at the moment um what a, what a sensation and i'm yet to see him live which you know hoping um hoping i will get to see him someday but just um listen to the you know power over me and better days and just feeling you know his real love for music comes through in his songs and it's um, yeah he's someone look that he's a, he's, he's a worldwide star at this stage you know and that's, that's you know it's, it's credit to him and what he's done in the last number of years.
1: Let's hear a little bit of
2: Glory They found a letter that he wrote
0: He said it's best off if we burn the page I wrote it very long ago Different days. I guess I'm tired of talk of hope. I've learned the doves and ravens by the same. But suddenly she's all I know. An old refrain is set The Cambridge version of a kingdom. Now I know they'll never haunt me when she's singing to me, Glory. I can't to me, glory. Really mm-hmm. She's singing to me, glory. She's singing to me, glory. I was only ever think about you, you know? She's singing to me, glory.
1: by Dermot Kennedy what about gigs I presume as a rugby player you get invited to or you go with the lads to a lot of gigs do you?
2: Yeah you do I suppose I've been fortunate enough been to um, again a lot over the years in, in, in Ireland in the UK and been to see you too in the States as well and um, yeah just uh, you know I love that kind of that live occasion of, of, of a concert and, and that atmosphere it generates from people singing songs and I suppose I've gone for um, uh, one of my favorites, really. Um, in Live at the Marquee. How over the years have produced, you know, some really entertaining gigs and concerts. And I went to Rod Stewart in two thousand and nine, and it was something I I went along to it because just Debbie, my wife, wanted to go, and I was kind of a bit in two minds. And but when I got there to see six thousand people swaying and singing every single word of Rod Stewart's songs, it was just one of the most um memorable things i've ever been to um Sorry, you know, did you just know the, the atmosphere to,
1: did you know the words to all the songs i mean you're must be 30 years younger at least <laughs> than rod stewart
2: uh, you'd know those you'd know the, the 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 main ones and and realize that I suppose that there are so many songs that you actually didn't you know want Rod Stewart actually sang that you didn't realize going into this concert. And I suppose you're looking at all the usual Maggie May and Sailing and First Cut is the Deepest and all of these, Matt. It just um, was song after song, hit after hit. And um, what, a, what an incredible occasion it really, really was.
1: Well, we don't have from the marquee in Cork, but we do have Rod Stewart singing live one of the tracks you mentioned. This goes back to a performance in 1993. This is Maggie May. Stuart there a regular performer at the Marquis in Cork although he's just bought an apartment in Lansdowne Road I suspect though uh, Peter he'll be going to football matches when he's there rather than the rugby
2: <laughs> I think so being a big Celtic fan I think he's um, he's big into his football yeah
1: he is okay listen we're going to have to take a, a break and uh, then we'll come back and we have all your other choices including books and plays and movies and the like and podcasts so we'll get to those with Peter Stringer after we've had the traffic Welcome back to the Culture Club here on The Last Word of Today FM. Peter Stringer, former Munster and Ireland rugby player and also occasional competitor in television reality shows is with us for the Culture Club this week. You've picked as a favourite book one that a number of people have picked on the Culture Club previously and it is possibly the ultimate sports autobiography, Andre Agassi's Open. Did you read that when you were still playing?
2: I read it when I when I finished playing, actually, Matt. I am um, I was very late to, to get into it. I'm I'm not a I'm not a big reader, um, and, and it's something that I heard a lot about. And I think coming from I suppose my background, obviously, and you know, I, I grew up I grew up watching tennis and, and certainly Andre Agassi in, in the year of when, you know, um, when I was younger and he was just a phenomenal um an athlete. He was a great character on the court and to read his book you know, to understand the real person behind it all. And, you know, it just is so fascinating to see from a a professional sports person that he never really actually loved the game. And and it was always just something because he was good at it, he kept going. And obviously from an early age, he was very much um, kind of put into it by, you know, coaches and and parents. Um, But his father was was an extraordinarily
1: domineering, almost abusive character.
2: Yeah, and I think you do find that sometimes with that, those kind of individual sports that people, you know, parents sometimes you know drive their their kids to to do something and and right from a very early age and, you know, whether that was something you know that she, you know, that had a, a detrimental effect on on the way he kind of looked at the game as the years went on it was um it was just fascinating to 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 read that and because um. You know, you just think you see a guy on court and, and a smile on his face and, and, you know, Grand Slam wins and stuff like that. He just, um, you, you automatically assume. So you just never know what's going on inside that person's head in those big moments, you know.
1: But was any of it sort of saying, yeah, that's me or was it just a completely different type of character to what you had in your playing career growing up?
2: no I, I think i think it was very different I, I i do you know i think you talk about his father being that that person and that type of person it was certainly it was you know I never had any of that it was yes, my my parents were very encouraging and they 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 could not have been more supportive and I made the decision to to continue playing rugby and and I was always kind of pushing them and asking them to to bring me places and to you know to make sure that I was at the summer training camp. so you know it was very, very different i I, I could understand you know those those kind of moments where he's very driven and, and, you know, those big occasions, those grand slam wins and, you know, playing on the big stage. And, and look, everybody loves that, that, that feeling of succeeding and, and that the success that comes with lifting a trophy. So, you know, you, you feel that kind of passion, you feel, um, what kind of it goes in behind the scenes to achieve those things. But, you know, I always, I suppose I consider myself, you know, a little bit different in terms of, um you know his his mindset and and you know the love of our individuals our sports that i just absolutely wanted to play more and more where yeah you, you know, kept he had going until kind of... what
1: age was it peter because you went what, what age did you finish up at
2: yeah i finished at 40 and and you know that was something that i I wanted to keep going. I, I you know I probably hit a, a, a patch in my career at 35 when you know I wasn't, I suppose, playing, you know, regularly for Munster. There was an opportunity there for me to go to the UK on the back of I suppose not really, you know, having any pathway to continue playing for Ireland. So it was something that I wanted to keep doing. I was in good shape. I felt really good. Um, my love of the game was still there and I was still ambitious. So I, I didn't want to finish just because certain coaches, you know, didn't see a fit for me and the team anymore so you know I went went to the UK and continued playing because I loved but, but was it that, yeah, I was but able to finish on my terms
1: I was interested that you still loved it though because was there not a certain amount well you had worked your way up to the top of the mountain you'd had your success with Munster and Ireland between winning Heineken Cups and winning Grand Slams and then you know when you get to the later stages of your career if you're no longer wanted by Munster and Ireland it, it, are the foothills coming down sufficient even when you have a love of the game
2: well, look, you look at that, and, and I suppose I had people around me who were telling me, look, it's probably, you know, the time to retire. And I and I couldn't get that kind of clear in my mind. I, d- I didn't want to just, because other people were telling me what to do. I've always been very much self-driven, self-motivated to do what I felt is best. And I suppose I've been, from a very early age, you know, Matt had a lot of kind of negativity around kind of me playing, um, I suppose, being the small person, people telling you you're not going to make it. That kind of stuck with me, that kind of helped build my character and it probably got to the stage where probably that stubborn feeling of, do you know what? Someone's telling me to retire. I'm probably going to do the opposite. So <laughs> I worked even harder, went to the UK five, six years there and absolutely kind of continued. And I, I improved my diet. I trained even harder and, and wanted to finish on my terms. And I hit, I hit 40. I was you know I suppose at peace with myself in many ways to say do you know what I'm in better shape now I feel better I feel fitter and stronger than I did entering the game 20 years ago and I've achieved everything that I've set out to achieve in the game and you know what now is the time and I was able to do that and walk away and that's st- that has stood to me to this day in knowing that I was able to do that myself um, and it wasn't based on anybody else's decision but my own
1: Let's go to some of your other choices. Uh, I like your choice of a favourite play or theatre show or a musical. You've picked the Book of Mormon. Tell us about that. You're not the first person oh, either d- to have done that.
2: <laughs> oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Do you know what? Um, yeah, I you know it's on in Dublin of at Park. the moment?
1: Actually, my, yeah, know, my, know, my know, eldest know, daughter know, and know, her know, boyfriend went to it last night and loved it.
2: Oh, I just I we saw it in London a few years ago when it came out first. And it was it was just so good. Myself and Debbie came out of it. It was the first thing. We came away from whether a movie or a play, whatever. Saying, "Do you know what? If we had tickets to go right back in and watch that again, we would." It was just, it was so good. It was so well done. You know, the guys, obviously Matt Stone and and, and um, Trey Parker, creators of South Park, wrote it, and it just um, it brings, I suppose, a, a comedy to something that you know to religion, which a lot of people, you know, you, you cross those kind of boundaries. And um, we were actually sitting around um, a couple of people, which I think they they went thinking it was very much about a religious play and they were quite shocked to, to <laughs> see some of the things that they were, the guys were coming out with on stage um, and people left, a couple of people left halfway through because um, it wasn't really what they'd expected but oh, it was just um, one of the best things I've ever seen, genuinely was Matt Well we're
1: going to play a clip from I Believe and hopefully this is not going to offend some of our listeners
0: You cannot just believe partway You have to believe in it all My problem was doubting the Lord's will instead of standing tall. I can't allow myself to have any doubt. It's time to set my worries free. Time to show the world what Elder Price is about and share the power inside.
1: The Book of Mormon, which is on at present in the Grand Canal Theatre in Dublin, so good. Okay, you've gone. I have to tell you, P- Peter, you are definitely not the first person. I say at this stage we're in double figures with people who've nominated <laughs> The Shawshank Redemption as favourite movie. But I'm always interested to hear the various people tell us why that one.
2: Yeah, look, and and I knew when I was thinking of it. I'm, i look. It's a lot of people's favourite. Um, just. I suppose anytime it's on, like you know, a lot of it is is kind of heartache for the characters, you know, and it's it they're going through, I suppose, a pretty tough time, but but knowing the outcome, and I suppose how good the the the, the characters are in it, and not necessarily just you know Morgan Freeman and, and Tim Robbins, but the guys, you know, like Samuel Norton, who plays the or Samuel Norton, the warden inside as well, and, and the, the, the prison guards, the difference between you know the good guys and the bad guys makes the story just so so good, and to see, you know, to see um, Tim Robbins, Andy Dufresne come out on top at the end, and and the way he goes about it. Um, you know, having to go through that heartache inside and, uh, inside in prison for something he didn't do, but um, just it's so cleverly, you know, written and performed by an incredible cast. It's um, it's something that whatever stage the movie is on on TV, you just turn it on, and you have to watch it till the end. It's just one of those things. It's it's gripping right the way through. It.
1: We're nearly running out of clips to take from the movie, and this one that we've taken is Andy Dufresne offering tax advice to the prison officers at Shawshank State Prison. Making a few friends, huh, Andy?
3: I wouldn't say friends. I'm a convicted murderer who provides sound financial planning. It's a wonderful pet to have.
1: The following April, Andy did tax returns for half the guards at Shawshank. Year after that, he did them all, including the wardens. Year after that, they rescheduled the start of the intramural season to coincide with tax season. The guards on the opposing teams all remembered to bring their W-2s.
3: So, Moresby Prison issued you your gun, but you actually had to pay for it. Damn right, the holster too. See, that's tax deductible, you can write that off.
1: Yes, sir, and it was a regular cottage industry. In fact, it got so busy at tax time, he was allowed a staff.
3: Hey Red, can you hand me a
1: stack of 1040s? Got me out of the woods, shop a month out of the year. And
2: that was fine by me.
1: Peter Stringer, television shows. You didn't give us any. Do you not watch television?
2: <laughs> I do, I do. I watch um I watch I watch well a bit of TV, not not so much now, but I I, I love I love um uh, Ricky Gervais. Um there are different genres. I, I'd watch a lot of things from different genres, but I I I just love Ricky Gervais. And know I know I have to watch it kind of in my own time because Debbie at home, she can't she can't watch him. She just <laughs> it's just something she just cringes at every opportunity she can because obviously it started out with the office and nobody kind of really knew what what it was all about. But but when you when you look at it um and, and take it for what it is, it's absolute comedic genius. Um, as well as his extras show um, it's just it's phenomenal phenomenal writing the way he gets other characters in on those on those series to just to play themselves but he is just so clever about you know the different roles he puts himself into and just creates those awkward moments Um, yeah look I I, I love I love watching you know good series on tv but you know anything with Ricky Gervais is something um, I, I have to watch
1: I've got to finish with a podcast, and you have one that I'm not familiar with: socially distant sports bar. What's that?
2: So this is actually it's a it's a podcast that was started at the lo- at the start of lockdown, the very first lockdown, by three Welsh guys. There's a guy, um, Steph Carraro, there's a guy, Ellis James, and Mike Bubbins, three Welsh guys who um they talk about it's it's called like a, a a sports podcast but they delve into every sort of um subject it's just a comedy podcast they talk about you know each week the three of them present their favorite books, their favorite documentaries, their favorite YouTube clips, and and along with those, they 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 show the clips um on the their YouTube channel. But it is um for anybody you know into into sport and anything kind of loosely related to it, it is just very very good. Um and um it's something that I've got into, and they the
3: guys are absolutely brilliant.
1: We can play an extract from Socially Distanced Sports Bar just in case people haven't heard it. Let's hear it.
3: We're in the change room getting ready, and we're putting the boots on and putting the socks on, everything else. And shoulder pads had just come into rugby. The sort of those foam, <laughs> little the foam shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. Lot, yeah, yeah. Although yeah. a lot of the boys wear now. Yeah. A few of us had, had those. Bought those new that season. I was putting my shoulder pads on, and the referee came in, and when uh, he said number six, word please, word please, come here, word please. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, what's the matter? Ref? He went, uh, take your pads off, please, take them off. I said, no, no, they're proper, they're rugby pants, ref, they're from... Uh... No, no, they're, they're illegal, they haven't been sanctioned by the IIB, take them off. I said, no, they have been, I said, this season you can wear them. They're, no, you got to take them off. I said, fine, you're the boss. I said, boys, pads off. The ref's not happy with them, take them off. And then he could see that I was a bit pissed off. Well, I don't well, have an argument, arguments we said, uh, number six, come here, please, word, please. Another word, please. I said, what's the matter, ref? He went, uh, I tell you what I do for you, kid, right? Uh, it's a friendly game, not a league match. I'll go next door, right? If the Italian boys are wearing shoulder pads, I'll let you boys keep your shoulder pads on. Is that fair? I said, yeah, fair enough, ref. thank you. All right, thank you for that. Two minutes later, right, he's back in. Number six, another word, please. I said, yeah, yeah. Come here, please. Yeah. yeah. He said, put the pads back on, kid. Tell, tell the other boys you can put their pads back on as well. I said, oh, lovely. I said, the Italian boys are wearing shoulder pads as well. Are they? He went, no, they are fucking massive. <laughs>
1: And on that note, <laughs> we'll finish up. Actually, Peter, I was just thinking. I don't know whether were shoulder pads when you were playing, but you certainly probably got them for the suits for Dancing with the Stars, did
2: you? Yeah, I needed some shoulder shoulder pads to fill it out. <laughs> they were um very very um very flamboyant costume, certainly to say the least Matt I'm, I'm glad you kind of finished on that note, I hope that's the end of the dance at the Starts comments.
1: <laughs> Peter Stringer, it's been great having you on the programme thank you very much for taking the time Pleasure, to join man. us on the Culture Club here on the last word of today FM
2: the last word with Matt Cooper weekdays from 4.30 today